For every battle, there has to be a changing of the guard. And well, a couple years ago on this podcast, a couple members of this show mentioned that we'll never buy running backs in Dynasty. Well, the tides, they've turned. It looks like the time to buy running backs in Dynasty is nigh. I'm here with Jacob on a random Thursday, a little earlier in the day, before I go on holidays to talk Dynasty running back landscapes. This one's going to be a little weird. This one, like I said, it's going to be weird. I want to just kick something off right from the beginning. I want to shout out Fantasy Points and what they had done with the media group. It was recently dissolved, but we wanted to give them a huge shout out for the opportunity and having us over there and a shout out for keeping me on and uh, being supporters of the Full Tilt brand. So I wanted to give them a quick shout out. For that, of course, much love and respect. Expect Scott to be back on here shortly. And, of course, I want to shout out Rebellion Brewery, based in Alberta, Canadian. We love that fantastic brew. Uh, Underdog Fantasy, promo code Full Tilt, uh, F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T. And, of course, same thing over at Trophy Smack. I, of course, am your host with most time in his hands, Thomas Simple FF. And joining me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. You can find him at Jacob Sanderson. Weird show today. Look, I'm going on vacation. Much needed. First time since I think 2018. It's wow. Amazing. Where are you going? Going home to Toronto, baby. Nice. Uh, three, Look at that. Three, it's three, God. Three, yeah, one. I love it. And we're meeting a fan of the show TD. First time ever. Saturday afternoon. Pictures are going to be fucking electric. What are the odds that they're able to make it to a game seven while you're there? Do you think they got two more games in us? Do you think they, got, they can string a couple more wins together? My bank account's saying no while my heart is saying yes. Well, uh, you don't have to go to the game. You go. You could, You could. just need to get Jacob. to the tailgate. Jacob, do you or think you I would the miss game. the game seven? Come on. Uh, that's no, like, but... <laughs> that's, 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 the price of a game seven in Toronto, uh, probably. Grand, a that's, that's, that's your entire best ball portfolio for the year, probably. Easily. But that's why I'm I'm scared because I know <laughs> Jamie's here. Bonjour, Ferris. Afternoon in all caps. We love the enthusiasm. Husker, yeah. what up? What up? What up to you? Okay, as I mentioned in the lead-in, this is gonna be kind of gross to say out loud. A little bit. It seems like something that's kind of been brewing in secret uh, a little bit. But buying running backs in Dynasty, and you know what, guys? The last couple of shows have been great. No show sheet. So guess what we're doing? No fucking show sheet because this is as clear and simple as it gets. Running backs, their tiers, their ranks, and if we're buying. Simple as that. Uh, I feel like I'm going to kick everything off right here. I feel like there are so many bad faith argument running backs right now. This is the peak bad faith running back season, in my opinion, and I understand that there's a lot. Obviously, that it's easy to cherry pick running backs. Well, 
in this scheme, he's really good. In this one, he's not. And his his in the Miles Sanders case where he's saying, uh, well, you know, he caught passes four years ago. Like he can pa- catch passes now. I mean, maybe what we know is their points per game, their expected points per game, and their efficiency. That's what we know. It's not like with quarterbacks. We understand if they run, run good. Wide receivers, target volume equals good. Running backs are a little weirder, but it it's feels like it's easier to cherry pick your way to running backs, which is why I'll say this. I love how you do your breakdowns, your blurbs, all top tier, Jacob. And I just before uh, rad swag, I'm new to Dynasty and doing my startup soon. Any tips? I do have a tip for you. Uh, You can go hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button, and there you will find a link to the Discord, the Full Tilt Dynasty Discord. And there is a ton of startup. Uh, You can ask live questions. We'll answer them there. We'll go through the entire board with you, step by step. But let's just, let's, let's give our homie Rad Swag a little bit. If I were to give you advice for your, you're new to Dynasty and you're doing a startup, I would say go in there open-minded and get two really good quarterbacks early. Jacob? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, let's let's talk about some running back ranks. You really, it. where can people find yours? And find my. I was just gonna say, um, where can people find yours? And then let's let's break through how you did it the way that you did. Yeah, so currently they can find my sheet. Um, for the this exact moment, they can find my running back tiers in the bulletproof Discord. Um, and I'll post those over in the full tilt Discord too. If Tom hasn't already dropped them in there. They will be in my thinking about thinking newsletter probably within the week. The reason why they aren't yet is just um, I've been doing these for over a year in a pretty particular way. Um, and it's a way that needs some level of explanation. <laughs> so I'm going to write an article sort of talking about how they are ranked um, and the process for that that will accompany those ranks up on the newsletter um, within a week or so. Effectively, the process for my running back ranks, first of all, they are all in tiers, of course. Each tier is set value of a base pick value, which for anybody who read any of my rookie ranks, they're, they're familiar with that concept. The idea of a base pick is it's a pick of one year in the future that has an equal chance of being any individual draft slot, which is different than a mid first in the sense that it's equally likely to be first, second, third, fourth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, etc. Um, and then that's each of the tiers. And then within that, I rank all the backs, of course. And I also have, as well as the backs slot in the tier, I have four different color-coded categorizations for each running back. So I have a production classification, which is what would we think this player does in a given year, in a median projected situation, um, essentially how much do we think they're going to produce. We have a contingent value classification. So if, if the associated contingencies with this player resolve positively what's the upside case and for each of those that's subjective it might be if they avoid legal trouble it might be if a starting running back out of them gets hurt it might be if they're on a team with a guy who might be cut and that guy does get cut whatever that is the case uh and then we also have their asset class 
And that's generally speaks to for younger guys. It's like, is this a truly special prospect? Is this a core prospect or is this more of a speculative situation? I also have an upside, which is somebody who's more speculative. They're not that really strong prospect core prospect, but they do exciting things for fantasy for running back. That's usually running backs to catch a lot of passes running backs who have sufficient size and then the age modifier. So is it a rookie? Are they young? Are they prime age? Are they aging? Or what I call a point purchase, which is effectively they're at the point where you could have no idea that you're going to be able to buy this player and then resell them. So you're buying them, you're going to take their points, and then they're going to die on your roster. So <laughs> I apply each of these things. And then within the tier, you can look at those classifications and kind of order them for yourselves based on what you need, right? Are you right. looking for that long-term home run swing? Are you looking for a guy who's going to get the most amount of points this year for the least amount of output? You know, then you can kind of order the tier in, in your own individual way. So that's that's how I end up ranking them. And it's all subjective. Any ranking is to some extent going to be subjective. My hope is, is that by sort of providing enough structural information along the ranks, it helps you understand why you disagree when you disagree, which I think is valuable in the sense that Sometimes you just see a set of rankings and you're like, I don't agree with that with, you know, this guy's rank, this guy's rank, this guy's rank. And then it's kind of hard to get on board with it. Cause you're like, I don't know. I don't understand what this guy's analytical process was, what at yeah. all. So I don't understand any of it. Right. Whereas here you can look at it and be like, okay, well, I disagree with what you're saying. This guy's contingent upside is, or I value age less than you do or more than you do or whatever it is. And so that way, at least, you know, maybe the 70% of the stuff that you do agree with, you can put value into and then you can know exactly where you don't agree and then you can you know input your own evaluations on top of that which i, I think is probably in my view the most valuable aspect of of what i put out there is that you know exactly why you disagree where you disagree and and you can kind of carve that out from the rest and that's important i mean you're you're gonna disagree and that's what i love about this because we have a couple on here as i'm looking at them that I kind of disagree with, but even as we were briefly talking in the back there, now I'm, I kind of see it and I didn't even have to read through all of it. I love that. And Husker says, so basically there was some thought put into these tiers a lot. Was put into the tiers. So Rad's asking, so in standard, my pick should go by valued position. So what order should I go in? If you're saying that it's a single QB, I prioritize wide receivers very early and then running backs or an elite tight end. Like you want an elite tight end, go wide receiver early, and then pick your your best and most talented running back. And if a quarterback falls at a decent value, there's tons of ADP information. I mean, you can head to the Bulletproof Discord, and they'll uh, they'll be able to get all the ranks and ADPs that you could possibly need. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think the the if I was to put it as simple as possible, which I'm not usually very good at doing. No, you're is whatever the settings for your league are really important to know the settings for your league. That's probably like one of the simplest and biggest edges you can have is knowing the settings for your league, whatever the settings for your league are prioritize, whatever positions are the most scarce and provide the largest edge and then make sure you draft at ADP. So effectively, if right. you can get those scarce positions at their ADP, do that. And if you can't take the other positions when they fall to you as a good value. Yep. Oh, that was so beautifully said. We're going to take a quick second. We come back. We're going to dive right into these. Jacob, I'm thinking it's best if we go 
players we actually like at their cost instead of just rattling off tier after tier. I think that that's going to be because I feel like we can have yeah. players ranked in certain tiers and still not want to buy them. So we'll take a quick second when we come back. Uh, that's what we're kicking off with. Can't wait. Let's go, baby. Of course, we will get help on the clock at 201 and 202. Half PPR, 0.5 tight end premium. Pick two out of the three. Sharbs, Kendra, Mayer. Uh, I will go Sharbs, Mayer. Jacob, what say you? Mayor Sharbs, but I don't have like a strong, strong lean here, honestly. Take whichever is in your heart. I don't have a strong lean between Kendra and Sharbs, but I have a strong Same. lean to Mayer in a tight end premium. Yeah. Okay, I agree with that. I, I'm for sure taking Mayer, and I don't know, take whatever running back you vibe with. Makes you happy. Like to me, there's no like big difference between Chase Brown, Charbonnet, Miller, Zach Evans, all these handcuff running backs that might play at some point are all kind of the same with me. You have that episode from last week where we kind of go over that. You can head over there now. But again, remember to hit the old uh, sub and notification. All right, let's talk about running backs in their tiers that we actually like at their cost. Your biggest buy is J.K. Dobbins. And I really want to start with J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, We know the story. Hype prospect, college, we loved the fit. We know he could catch passes. They didn't use him that way with Mr. Prehistoric Times himself, Greg Roman. And Lamar Jackson just doesn't like to dump the ball down. We've just, even though he's good at it and good things happen when he does it, he fucking refuses, which is infuriating. But you have him as your number one buy right now in Dynasty. Let's talk through that because, again, we like running backs to catch passes. He doesn't do that. Uh, he's being drafted as the R as the RB nineteen right now. We love we love the price. So let's talk about why you're in, what you're willing to pay for him, and what you can actually expect to see out of him. Yeah. So I forgot to mention this in the tiers first off, but I have an action column for every running back, and I either have as neutral. I hate the term hold. Hold is just. It's just a term that means the endowment effect. Like, I hate the idea of a hold. It's like, oh, if they're on my roster, then I want to hold them. And if they're not on my roster, then I don't want them. So I use neutral. And then I either buy, sell, or process buy and process sell. And the difference between those is buy and sell is when I think that they are fundamentally misvalued. I think that this player is better than where they're being drafted or worse than when they're being drafted. And process sell and process buy is more like, I think that this valuation is fair for what they are but I want to be buying or selling this type of player. So for example, I literally have every single running back that I have ranked from like 60 through 90 as process buy. Cause I just, at that <laughs> low level of value, I, all I want to roster is backup running back. So they're just all process buy. Anyway, JK Dobbins is one of 10 running backs in the top 30 that I have as an actual buy B A U Y. And effectively my case for this is, what have we known about Dobbins really throughout? We've known that he has a really, really strong talent profile. And that's been limited in a number of ways. It's been limited by running back rotations that they've used in Baltimore, where they've thrown him into two and three man committees. It's been limited by injuries to a massive extent. Of course, basically the last two years has been uh, you know, entirely wiped out by injuries. 
And it's been limited by really his quarterback in a, in a couple senses, not his quarterback isn't phenomenal, but that his quarterback takes some goal line carries his quarterback doesn't really throw to running back. So he's had these limitations of pass catching limitations of injuries, limitations of running back rotations. And I think this year is the first time that you can kind of make a case that all of those things might be alleviated where he is probably as healthy as he's been since his rookie year. He had an entire year now of rehabbing off the injury. He was actually quite effective over the last five games of the 2022 season. I'm treating him as though he's pretty much at full health going into this year. Then you look at some of the chicanery of the, how the Ravens have used running backs. And I think to some extent with Lamar Jackson, you're never going to catch 70 passes, right? He's not going to dump off to the running back all the time. I'm not sure that's entirely a Lamar Jackson thing. Greg Roman has also been the offensive coordinator for the entirety of J.K. Dobbins' career. I think some aspect of that running back usage is Lamar, and I think it's fair to say some aspect of that is Greg Roman. And certainly from a running back rotation perspective, I put a lot of that on Greg Roman. Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh are not the ones that are deciding which running backs play snaps when. That's a Greg Roman call, and he's gone. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that Todd Monken is going to use J.K. Dobbins on 80% of the snaps, it's at least possible in a way that it wasn't when he was in the same scheme as he's been forever with Greg Roman. You also look at the backfield competition. It's the worst it's ever been. They re-signed Gus Edwards on a restructured deal who's getting fairly old right now. And we know that Gus Edwards is a, is a highly limited player. He's an effective inside complimentary runner. He's never going to play a pass down. Like he's just simply not going to catch a pass ever. So you look at Dobbins, he's their best runner He's probably the best pass catching running back on the team. I think that we're doomed to Greg Roman being like, no, Justice Hill is going to play every pass. Day. Maybe that happens. I just don't think it's a guarantee. So I think Dobbins has a chance to be a legitimate every down workhorse on what looks to be a really good offense this year. And we know he's super talented and we know he's going to be super efficient. So I, I think we're, we're, he's priced as though there's these systemic limitations of non-pass catching and not getting all the touches and these systemic risks with injury. And I think that the limitations aren't guaranteed and the risk is kind of gone. So I'm, I'm quite excited about buying into a supremely talented player at what I think is a pretty subdued price with J.K. Dobbins. I actually love that. And you want the buy low for the big opportunity. And look, we know one thing for sure. Baltimore is going to be really good for at least the first eight weeks because that's kind of what they do and have done. I will say there's a little pause from me, though, yeah. the new OC, because we don't. Part of what made the Ravens offense so intriguing was how we knew the running backs were going to be efficient because the way Greg Roman's offense works, it's impossible for them not to be like Gus Edwards. And we hate yards per carry. Like at least I don't, I, I don't use it for a whole lot of analysis, but I find it interesting that Gus Edwards never fell below five. JK Dobbins right. had 5.7 on one leg. Like he was quite visibly running on one leg in just a straight line. And that's a testament to just how this offense ran just completely inside. And now maybe part of it is Lamar Jackson probably doesn't run as much in this offense. There's probably going to be less design running in this offense, which good for whatever the running back is that could lead to more pass catching opportunities. We know he can do it. So I think that that is a plus his RB 19 cost is hovering around some players that it's easy to see why he's a buy. Javante Williams, 15. Damian Pierce, 17. 
Rashad White, 20. DeAndre Swift, 16. Joe Mixon, 21. You're, you're getting a really good Zach Charbonnet, 25. And here you have a still young running back who, like you said, is healthy with there is some ambiguity in his usage, which we like, and some ambiguity in the backfield, which we like. So I love this pick as a hard buy. Let's talk about cost. Because when people say that somebody is a buy, they often don't talk about their cost. You've made a couple of trades for J.K. Dobbins in some serious dynasty leagues. So we're going to use that as the benchmark because I trust your cost, what you choose to pay for players. So let's talk about those deals and see if we can't hone in on a general cost trade-wise for J.K. Dobbins. So I have him ranked in my tier, which is evaluation of one base first. And again, I I consider a base first to be more valuable than a mid first in the sense that a a base first is a higher chance of being a late first, but it also has a higher chance of being an early first. And as everybody knows, the difference between a mid first and an early first, way more important than the difference between a mid first and a late first, because you're going to get a bell curve distribution on draft value. So basically I'm saying he's, Slightly more valuable to me than a mid first. I think I, I have like two tiers ahead of where I have RB19. So my RB19 is, is Brian's favorite player, Devaney Chain. And I have him all the way down at <laughs> 0.5 base ones. So I have that as rated as effectively as an early two, whereas I have Dobbins two tiers ahead of that. And I have him at RB14 overall. So I traded Traylon Burks for him in one league. And I think that's like a somewhat even deal. I'm not super in love with Burks's or really most wide receivers ceiling prospects. I don't want to turn this into a, J- into a trail on Burks focused episode because we could talk about him for five minutes too. And it's a running back. <laughs> show. But basically that was a spot where I saw it as kind of a lateral move where I was really strong at wide receiver in this particular league. Wasn't quite as strong as running back in this particular league. Allowed me to pivot laterally between a guy that I don't have a ton of faith in as a difference-making producer to a guy that I have a little bit more faith in, both as their floor as an NFL player and I think as their ceiling as an impact producer, position of need. The other one was a little bit weirder because I, I, I think that the context of the team probably matters more than the value would, but I traded C.J. Stroud, which was the, the player that fell to me at the 106, uh, and Brandon Cooks. For J.K. Dobbins, a 25 first that I'll, I'll be honest, I do expect it to be early. And I'm pricing it as such. Uh, and, and a third. And in that league, again, the team structure mattered a ton. Like I have I have Deshaun Watson and I have Josh Allen. So C.J. Stroud is really of very little use to me, except for what he can fetch me in trades. And then my wide receiver core is exceptionally deep. Where it's like, I love the value of a guy like Brandon Cooks as a guy that I'm going to use his full potential of every week this year and ride until he dies. There happens to be uh, a league where I I think he's probably my seventh or eighth best receiver. I have a really strong receiving core. So I don't really see the purpose of him as much again, outside of what he can get from me in trades Dobbins. I'm going to be starting every single week. I have McCaffrey and then it's like Penny, Jamal Williams and some other guys. So I think it's an equal ish value trade. I have Stroud at 1.5 base ones. We treat that 25-1 effectively as a base one. And Dobbins is more than that, give or take the loss of Cooks. I think it's, again, it's a trade that I see is even value, but I'm getting out of players that don't have a ton for me and into players that I really like. No, I love that. 
Trevor says, I'm scared of Gus Edwards taking too much of the limited runs they'd have, but the value for him is very underrated. I don't, I don't understand the limited runs they'd have because Baltimore does run. Like we're getting at least 15 to 17 touches a game for a healthy JK Dobbins. Like, and that's at least, and in a good offense, uh, at least what we can project as a good offense with hopefully a better red zone offense, which is where I think the key is because Dobbins scores touchdowns. That was his big thing. At the end of his rookie year where he had six to seven straight weeks with scoring uh, and, and we know he's efficient. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about uh, the Gus bus taking away too many of those, of those touches personally. Yeah. And I like Gus Edwards as a player too, but like at this point, he doesn't really have a comparative advantage over Dobbins in any, in any meaningful way in any area of the field. Like Dobbins is better than him at, at pretty much everything. So I think Gus takes whatever they deem Dobbins not to be able to handle or, or not want to give him. Yeah. And I think a lot of those are going to be low value touches, right? That's the thing. Right. Um, I think like Dobbins is going to be, he's going to hopefully get the pass work to me. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm more afraid of justice Hill in the sense that justice Hill to me is I think that, is the guy who stands between Dobbins and playing all of the passing downs and having that elite ceiling. That's actually of more concern to me than Edwards, who's never going to play on a passing down. Right. He'll take I, some carries, but that's fine. But there's no running back anymore, really, that's free of some LDD type, that's long right. down and distance running back, taking very annoying carries away. Right. There's almost yeah. no running back that gets to avoid that now. It just has to be accepted that your favorite running back probably not getting 80% of the touches. We it's just has to be accepted. Even Christian McCaffrey was giving up touches to Elijah Mitchell when those two were in the backfield together. Your favorite RB is not getting them all. I think Barkley might actually be, and Eckler might be the only two I get with Henry, but I feel like that one's kind of just speaks for itself are like the only guys that kind of are expected to do that. We're going to need a quick second. When we come back, I'm going to list off a couple of running backs that I am buying right now, regardless of age. And we are going to get into the running back age discussion right away, because I think something happened last year that people are not totally registering up here. Let's talk about it. Be right back. Okay, Jacob, we talked about um, running backs finishing in the what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Let's go top 15 in points per game last year. Only one, two, three of them were under 25 years of age. Eckler, McCaffrey, we're going to go 27, 26, 24, 28, 25, 26, 25, 21. 27, 27, 28, 27, 24, 27, 27. Your age fear on running backs is not as serious as are you going to tell me that 12 of those running backs are just going to die this season? Who would we have to play running back? Honestly. And that might seem like a really maybe bad faith take to have, but it's real. The age curve is not the same to me as it used to be. Now, are there some warning signs with some of these guys? Sure. James Conner, Aaron Jones, obviously Fournette is toast. Derrick Henry, questionable. Mixon, well, legal. 
But there's a couple running backs here that I want to talk about that I'm not concerned about the age. I'm not concerned that they're turning 26 or they're 25 or they're 27. I'm not concerned. And I just want to rattle a couple off because they're kind of all in the same grouping to me almost. It's Mondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and I'm also buying Aaron Jones. Those are four running backs that I think can all provide RB1. I think I missed one. You said Pollard, Jones, Ramondre. Was there one other one? And Jacobs. And Jacobs, right. Okay. Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard. I agree with all those. Can all produce RB1 point-per-game season, and not just RB1. We're talking guys that maybe Jones less now because we don't know what that offense is going to look like, but to me, he's still like one of the top two pass catchers on that offense and probably right. the most important weapon to me personally. All of these guys cannot just be top eight, but all of these guys can be top five running backs in points per game, and I don't care about their age. That feels really weird for me to say, but Jacob, I'm looking at a guy like Ramondre Stevenson who became a buy for me mid-season last year once I realized the pass-catching work was coming. He's not threatened by anyone. James Robinson, Pierre Strong, I don't think so. I'm having a hard time keeping him out of my top like eight dynasty running backs right now. He is he looks like a stud. Let's talk this this tier of guys because I think Jacobs is a little bit higher than some of these guys, but I don't see a big difference between Jacobs, Pollard, Stevenson, uh, and then obviously Jones just because of age and cost. I don't see him differently, but I would I would prefer this season Aaron Jones over DeAndre Swift, A Chain, Javante, Pierce, like some guys getting drafted ahead of them. So let's let, let's talk about these guys. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to talk about that thing you you said at the top, grouping these guys about age. And I was going to mention actually similar thing to what Brian Ford just put up in the chat. Adam Harstad wrote he's he's written actually a number of really great pieces about aging. He wrote one phenomenal piece about wide receiver aging. He's written about running back aging as well. In general, a lot of a lot of the running back age analysis in recent years was really just describing how terrible the running back classes were from about 2000 and I don't know, nine or so through to 2015 or so. Right. And so if you just have class after class, after class, bad running backs, you're going to have year after year after year, five years later of those bad running back classes, not producing RB ones when they're 26 and 27. And then we have, 2016 we get Zeke and we get Derrick Henry in that class we get 2017 of course is probably one of the best running back classes of all time with all these guys that we're talking about on the way out now you know I I look at it with these running backs where similar to the decline we've seen at wide receivers decline for superstar NFL players is very rarely gradual when you average it out over the curve and Adam Harstad has talked about this decline looks gradual on average but it's not gradual in practice. What you usually see is that running backs and wide receivers are great, 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 great dead. And because they all have the debt at slightly different years, when you average that over a curve, it's like 26 year old block looks a little bit better than 27, looks a little bit better than 28, better right. than 29, et cetera. But in each individual case, it's not actually gradual. It's, it's stable and then it's a cliff. 
And so effectively, I treat most of these running backs as they're going to be what they've been most recently until they aren't anymore. The added advantage we get at running back with age versus wide receiver is that, again, a wide receiver, we always talk about the difference between wide receiver and running back, is wide receiver, you earn your volume every single snap, right? Running mm-hmm. back, you earn your volume in a more subjective sense. It's like you earn the coach's trust or the coach still thinks you're good or like what you gave him at the last Christmas party. And so usually <laughs> we see this lag effect with superstar running backs, which is that they are elite and they're getting elite volume. They're elite and they're getting elite volume. They're not that elite anymore, but they're still getting elite volume. And then eventually the coach realizes that they're bad now. And then the volume leaves, but there's a lag in between. (laughs) Usually what we see, we see, oh, it's 2019. Zeke can't play anymore, but he still gets all of the work for another couple of years. And then it starts to get scaled off. Dalvin Cook got all of the work last year. He's done, right? Like, I don't think he's going to get all the work anymore this year. They usually don't make these changes right when it happens oftentimes because they may not be digging into the data or they just haven't made an alternative plan yet. And he's still the best option in their backfield, even if he isn't very good at the moment. So all that to say, I'm not very concerned about buying old running backs that are still performing at a high level. So you talk about Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb's another guy where we haven't, they're going to decline at some point. It might be this year, but it hasn't happened yet. And so I'm not projecting it to happen the next time we see them on a football field. I'm going to just ride it effectively until either they're back or we get some period of time where, you know, we're getting that uptick in value that reflects their production and we can sell. So I'm in all of four of those guys that you mentioned all got a buy rating for me. I, I mean, I think Ramondre is a guy who had, it was a big winner of the draft process for sure. Huge, huge. Um, he's going to get probably the entirety of the passing game role. And with all of these backfields, you could apply this to Ramondre, you could apply this to Pollard, you could apply this to Aaron Jones, especially you could apply this to Aaron Jones' entire career, is that the idea of running back stealing touches to me is a myth. Like inferior running backs don't usually actually steal quote unquote touches from superior running backs. But this is that that superior running back usually can either only handle so many touches or they've been deemed to only be able to handle so many touches or they're really superior in some areas and somewhat pedestrian in other areas. And so it's not the idea that somebody's going to steal carries from Ramondre Stevenson. It's that the Patriots use their running backs a ton. They run the ball a lot. They throw to their backs a lot. If Ramondre Stevenson got hundred percent of the work, that would be like 480 touches. That's not going to happen. That's literally insane. So of course he's going to not get all of those touches. They allocate a ton of their offensive touches to running backs so they're probably going to give some to Pierre Strong. They're probably going to give some to Kevin Harris. I don't know who they're going to give it to. James Robinson, whatever. But right. what I look for is, what about the high value touches? Pierre Strong is exactly who I want to be sharing a backfield with. Because if they're looking at how to divvy up the work between Ramondre Stevenson and Pierre Strong, Ramondre Stevenson is a bigger back. He's a better back between the tackles. He's a better pass catcher. That tells me he's going to be the goal line back, and he's going to be uh, he's going to be the receiving back. And so and the then two how minute drill back. Exactly. So how would they find the touches to give to not Ramondre Stevenson to have to give to somebody else? Okay. Well, Pierre strong, you're going to take 130 carries between the twenties because we can't have Ramondre touch the ball 480 times because nobody can touch the ball 480 times. Fine with me. Right. That's great. Yeah. James Robinson. Okay. Could he stay in on some goal line series? Maybe certainly not going to take any of the two minute drill. He's not going to take any of the screen passes. So there's nobody on the roster right now in New England that I'm concerned about taking high value touches from Ramondre Stevenson. 
applies the same way to Pollard right now. That applies the same way to Josh Jacobs right now, who also has just been a running back that's proven an ability to handle far more volume than, than most. And Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones is going to be what Aaron Jones is, right? Like Aaron Jones is going to be efficient. He's going to have a certain number of touches. He's small. He's not going to handle 350 touches, and, and he's going to be efficient on those. So I'm excited about all those guys. And if you look at where they're all being drafted, if you go to the Bulletproof ADP, which you can just Google because they're phenomenal that way, Josh Jacobs, RB10, 408. Then you get Najee, who I am mm-hmm. going to mention here shortly. But Ramondre, RB12 at 501. Pollard, 503, RB13. Nick Chubb, who was mentioned by Huskers, who I'm also very much in on this year. RB14 at 504. Then you get a Javante, and then you get like a DeAndre Swift or whatever. But then you're right back with value in the sixth round. Pierce, Henry, Dobbins. And you look at some other guys picked there. Kenny Pickett, Zay Flowers, Quinton Johnston, Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, George Pickens, DJ Moore, Jordan Addison, the kind of gross, sick, lame, and lazies, if you would. The, the big maybes, yeah. the curious cases of. Or you can get these unreal upside running backs like you can there you can very much go quarterback quarterback tight end wide receiver and then hammer double trade up and hammer your double or triple running backs in rounds five six and seven i don't think there's been a time before where i've been comfortable saying i will absolutely smash running backs in the fifth and sixth round i don't personally ever remember that time but i'm here now with that and i find that to be very i think it's a very interesting time in dynasty because there's there's some later round guys that i'm gonna will quickly mention uh towards the end because you always gotta have late like late startup round guys you gotta talk about i mean it's clutch but we're gonna take a break and we come back we're gonna talk about some iffy to maybe running backs based on cost and what we expect them Uh, We're going to do that when we come right back. So sit tight. Five second break. Okay. There's a couple of running backs that I feel iffy about, and I'm leaning more on the negative side with obviously Deandre Swift is a big one. You have been Mm. hammering that button home for what feels like a year and a half now. But Najee Harris is another one to me that at cost, I'm not feeling the vibe of. And the big getaway from me is Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, a big fade for me last year. He will continue to be a big fade for me. I understand that he did catch some passes. I'm just going to start with uh, K-Walk here. He did catch some passes, okay? it's The argument wasn't. For the most part, uh, he can't do it. It's would he do it? I think that that's a huge misconception. When somebody says, well, they they didn't catch passes in college, they can't catch passes in college. Walker was a guy where people were literally going back to high school highlights to see if he could catch passes or not, and that was the argument. Well, we saw that he can definitely catch some balls in the flat. He can definitely catch some screens. But a downfield receiving weapon, he is not. This is why there's a difference between DeAndre Swift pass catching, Jameer Gibbs pass catching, and the turnaround check down pass catching. So it's not that he can't, it's would he. And he did catch more balls than I thought he would. 
However, they go and and Pete does what Pete does. And he drafts another fucking running back. And if I'm not mistaken, he drafts another running back in the second or third round. Yeah, in the second round. And the Kenneth Walker pass catching thing, like, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the dichotomy of it where people, I don't know, there was a lot of weirdness in terms of how some of the very pro Kenneth Walker people were phrasing last year where it was like, remember when people said Kenneth Walker couldn't catch passes? And it's like, yeah. And then he didn't really, or at least not in a meaningful way. Like I understand. Yes. Like when the ball hit his hands, it didn't deflect off a force field into the solar system, but I don't think anyone serious was saying like, he's functionally not capable of catching a pass, but there were 60 running backs in the NFL last year who had at least 20 targets. Ken Walker was 55th in yards per run, 55th out of 60. Like he was not adding anything as a pass catcher. It wasn't an area that he was providing fantasy value. He caught under 30 passes. So I, I don't think that that was proved wrong in any sort of meaningful way. And then, you know, JJ Zacharyson was a guy who made a great point. I thought about pass catching more holistically and that it's, it's, it's not just about, can you catch passes? It's has a team used you as a complete running back that they want to get the ball to in all situations. And that when teams don't use running backs like that in college, the teams tend to not use running backs like that in the pros. And yeah, Walker is a super, super talented running back, but I feel like something that we hit on and I hit on a lot in, in the articles last year is that he was a really talented running back, but he was kind of an incomplete running back almost in the way that a lot of people talk about guys like ETN or guys talk or people talk about guys like Pollard where they're like, Oh, it's a boom bust guy. He's limited. I think that Walker has somehow escaped a lot of that, but he is slightly undersized. He's 212 pounds, not tiny, but he's not massive. He's a shorter running back. And he's a guy who wasn't particularly special in the, in the receiving game. And then had the worst success rate among all running backs last year, he wasn't generating positive yardage consistently, where his value came as being explosive, breaking a ton of tackles, breaking away big plays. So they went out and they spent, an absurd cost, but they went out and spent my draft capital on a guy who is a better pass catcher and who's a more reliable running back from a play to play basis. So I expect it to be somewhat of a split with Walker getting a lot of the explosive big play opportunities. And I think Charbonnet is going to make an impact on all aspects of the high value touches. I think he's going to threaten him for some short yardage and goal line work. I think he's going to take the majority of the pass down work. They even draft Kenny McIntosh. who's like a pure pass down satellite. So I think Walker's cost is going to come down a lot. I'm not sure I'm still going to be in on it just because I think I've always been lower on the talent from him too. So I think the people that were higher on him as a talent, whatever they're factoring in based on, you know, Charbonnet just coming in from an opportunity perspective, probably won't be enough. I have Kenneth Walker ranked now at RB 14 and I have him in that same tier with JK Dobbins that we talked about. Um, and I had Dobbins up at RB or sorry, I had Dobbins at 13. I have Walker at 14. I think I earlier said I had Dobbins at 14. See, and I am 100% with you on that. I think that where he is going at the 304, uh, just after guys like Travis Kelsey and Chris Olave and CJ Stroud, and just after Kyler Murray, who who's ADP, can we, unbelievable, It's what did I say was going to happen? Kyler Murray was going to continue to drop into the late second round. 211 ADP. Like, we're overthinking this to an unreal degree. 
just unbelievable. But right before Saquon Barkley, I'd rather Barkley. I'd rather Tyree Kill. I'd rather Jameer Gibbs. I'd rather T. Higgins, Kyle Pitts, Diggs. Who are still insane to me, QB 15. But that leads me to the next running back, who I actually have right beside Kenneth Walker. But he's at RB 12 for me, though, because Walker is 13 for me. It's Travis Etienne. Yeah. There was a time last year where Travis Etienne, it was a fun two weeks, was the dynasty running back one after a couple of games. I think there's legitimate concern with his pass catching. I think coming out of college, he he is an elite pass catcher. Hawk was a little bit overblown for the type of pass catching he was. You mentioned how many how many receptions did Kenneth Walker have? 37? Or 27? Don't have in front of me. 27 sounds right. Okay. ETN at 35. It's not like Travis ETN was out there in his first season. Because remember, his first season he was hurt, so we don't know. But this season, he looked totally healthy. Surprisingly, 35 receptions. That's it. He's barely providing you that. He's well, he's not providing you the upper tier ETN or upper tier pass catching. He's giving you that mid-range kind of full-time long down and distance pass catching. 35 receptions is the type of season that J.K. Dobbins could have with Lamar Jackson in a full season, right? And that's not what we would consider like an elite upside where his value is kind of being baked in. Why do you think people are just baking in that late third round? Like, is it just the hope that those receptions are going to go up even though they've added another pass catcher? Why do you think well, I that think is? I think that Etienne and Walker's price will both come down um, over the course of the next few weeks. Like I think we're just going to see this slide from the Charbonnet and Bigsby picks. It isn't fully baked into the current ADP. Right. I will say I'm definitely higher on Etienne than Walker for sure. I have been this whole off season. I thought that they were kind of similar. And then it's, it's interesting that they still remain kind of similar as both teams add this day two back. Um, they're an interesting, they're a really interesting pair of running backs to talk about because I think the, the idea of Walker coming out of college was he's a perfect rusher and the pass catching is a mess. And then in the NFL, the pass catching was maybe a little better than we expected. It was still not a strong suit. And, and I've always been kind of nitpicky about Ken Walker's actual rushing profile. ETN, people have been pretty continuously nitpicky about his rushing profile, far more than I am. I don't actually think it's borne out in the data. Tom is fine, by the way. He said he just needed to run for 30 seconds. I think people have always viewed ETN as a boom-bust rusher. I think he's a boom-bust player in the sense that he's like a mistake-prone player. Like he, his ball security is lacking. He drops passes on occasion. And, and I, I get that he doesn't always necessarily take the most efficient running lanes. But from a data perspective, like he is not actually a boom-bust rusher. He had a really strong success rate. He's always actually created a lot of yards per play throughout college and throughout the NFL. So I think he's a far more talented net runner than people give him credit for. Um, I think he's a better runner of the football than Ken Walker, despite, I think, the common sense around that. But his pass catching is a legit concern for sure. In college, his pass catching profile kind of could have gone either way. We saw a guy with extraordinary raw pass catching numbers on a low ADOT, high percentage of screens and dump offs and swing passes. And so I think it was fair to say he had that elite pass catching ceiling in his range of outcomes or, or that it might not translate. So far, hasn't translated. The Bigsby pick is interesting. 
I think people are going to continue to probably overemphasize ETN's deficiencies as a runner to the point where I might be interested in getting back in on him. But I also think that people will continue to overemphasize his pass catching ceiling, which I, I think is somewhat limited. So ETN, I, I, I referenced Ken Walker's yards per run before ETN's pulled up to he's 33rd out of 60, exactly one yards per run, Ken Walker 0.67. So he was fairly average in that category. I certainly give him better odds of massively increasing that going into year two than I would Walker based on the college profile. It's not strong. So I think uh, I have ETN ranked in the same tier. We talked about Dobbins and Walker. I have him ranked at the RB uh, 11 slot. So just ahead of those guys, mm-hmm. but again, against an, R- against an ADP of RB eight, like I've, I've been selling a little bit of ETN. I, I had a big exposure point coming into the offseason. I've sold him off for Pollard Plus in some occasions. I've been looking to sell him off for Dobbins Plus or Ramondre Plus. So I am I like him as a talent. I still think he has a lot of upside, especially in that offense. But there are definitely options I prefer at cost. And I like that you say at cost. Also, shout out Ferris. He said 7.5% target share ranks 81st among all second-year running backs since 2006. Yet his 0.53 yards per target uh, ranks 64th amongst all second-year running backs since 2006 via Ian. So there you go. Hmm. Love that. The reason I, One of the reasons I built up all these running backs in the order that I did was to get to cost because these guys are all kind of in the same tier. But one of these things, two of these things are not like the others. If you look at this tier of Jacobs, Pollard, Stevenson, ETN, Harris, Dobbins, Walker, Chubb, and I will include Damian Pierce and Derrick Henry because I'm very much in on Henry and Pierce this year at their cost. Only two of those guys are going inside the top 10, and that's ETN and Walker. Jacobs is being drafted as the RB10. That's insane to me. Because I don't see a world where Etienne and Walker are providing you double val- double the right. value of the other guys. I don't see a world where Etienne and Walker provide you that significant more from Pollard, Stevenson, Najee, Dobbins. Maybe Dobbins is like probably the one I'm most skeptical about. But you've made a hell of a case, so I'm in, baby. I'm fucking. I'm I'm back in. I was out, and Jacob. Pulled me back in. And I love that. But you're talking to like Pollard 14, Stevenson 12, Harris 11. We mentioned Dobbins before at 19, Nick Chubb 13, Pierce 17, Henry 18, Josh Jacobs 10. If you're telling me that there's somewhere out there a world where I can trade ETN for Josh Jacobs and maybe even get just like a third on top of that, I'm jumping for joy. And Mm -hmm. some of these ranks, it looks like you can get a a first on top of a guy like Dobbins. And that's that's fucking crazy to me. Crazy to me. Is it you said you could potentially be back in on someone like ETN, but it just screams to me sell like crazy to get any of those other running backs listed with a plus on top. Like that's what this the ADP is telling me. Yeah, I don't like Etienne's cost at all. I, I've I've always I've had him as like kind of a neutral throughout the off season, mostly just because, like, I don't know. I, I try to think about like how the market reacts on these running backs to an extent, and like, there's just aspects of 
things that a lot of people say about Etienne that I think are wrong and that I think he's better at than people say he is. And so because I have that conviction about his game, I'm just always going to be open to being in on Etienne because I think like, I just think he's better than a lot of people think that he is at football, but I don't agree with his price. I think probably that's because his price factors in a lot of pass catching upside that I'm probably somewhat. Yeah. That's probably where, where the difference comes in. I'm, I'm more or less just saying that whatever your doubts are with Walker, you should have kind of the same doubts with ETN in a way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. And maybe I end up being completely wrong, but I'm going to be happy to be completely wrong because even if you look at somebody like Damian Pierce, who, Look, everyone knows we kind of took a giant crap on Damian Pierce last year, but he survived the draft. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And they have traded their first round pick next year, meaning they don't have an extra right. high value. Damian Pierce caught 30 fucking passes last year. So look at ETN, look at Walker, and look at Pierce, and they're really not that far apart, man. Right, and the history of betting on these year two, I'm just going to keep treating ETN like he's a year two back because he basically is. Right. Uh, because Ricky Year didn't exist. So like the, the history of betting on these running backs to gain value year one to year two is phenomenally strong. And the history of most of them suggests that most of them free fall in year two and year three, right? Even some guys like a Josh Jacobs who then rebounded later. Yep. History is not kind to these guys. So, like, I want to be remarkably picky about which ones I'm going all in on. And, like, it almost has to be perfect, right? Like, you don't get any more value insulation from these guys. If Etienne and Walker are scoring as mid-range RB2s this year, their value is going to tank off the face of the earth. So, I yeah, like, I don't think that either of them are perfect. I, I think that Walker – I'm probably just going to be out on Ken Walker for life because I have, yes. like, legitimate talent concerns with him that the market doesn't. Whereas with ETN, I actually think he's a better runner than most people do, but I don't think that the price makes any sense. So I'll probably get back on him one day, but that day is probably not this year. Yeah, I, you mentioned Damian Pierce. I have Pierce. Where do I have Pierce? I have Pierce heading off the next tier. So I have him a tier below these guys, but not by a ton. Right. I have him at 0.75 base ones. So that's like a late first or two seconds. I, I have Pierce at RB16. I have him in a just a three-person tier with Derrick Henry and Javante Williams. I have Pierce as the highest value of that tier. He was good last year. I think people really underestimate his talent, quite frankly. He posted net positive results really across the board, and he did it in a horrendous rushing environment, right? Like, it's hard sometimes to extricate running backs from their environment. You look at a guy like Cal or Algier, where his stats were elite across the board. I do think he can really play football, and I'm annoyed at what they did to him. But then you look at Patterson, you look at Huntley, and, you know, they were really strong too. Not as strong as Algier, posted really good results. And you say, well, a lot of that might be scheme. Pierce played in a shit show of an offense, and a shit show yep. of offense for running backs. Like all the other guys that they put in there to run the ball were completely ineffective. And Pierce was able to perform well in very adverse situations. So I, I think he can ball. I don't think he'll ever be like a truly – special pass catcher i think he'll always be more of a tackle breaker than a breakaway guy so i don't know that we're ever getting like a top five season out of damian pierce i think it would require something like the david montgomery 2020 you get 95 percent of the touches to actually get him into right. that top half of the rb1s 
But I, I totally agree that in a median outcome, he's scoring the same as an ETN and a Walker this year. I think that's quite plausible and even likely. At And if you factor in the plus on top, like if you factor in the the value you're getting on top of that, it's an immediate smash. Like we're talking about ETN in the third or Damian Pierce in the sixth. Like that's like if you go 312 ETN and 61 Pierce, that's that's two rounds of value you're getting for at least similar enough production from what we know right now, which is important because it can change. Right. ETN can go out and catch 65 passes next season, and those who are right get to plant their flag, and those who are wrong get to go, well, okay, I missed on that. But for what we know now, which is what's important, yeah, I think that there's a ton of value to be had tearing down from these guys who really, to me, are glaring cells, which is Walker and ETN. I am, again, that I think their their view on pass catching is, I honestly, it's not even with pass catching. with I have no idea what's keeping Walker up like that. I'm just going to say psychopaths. Like, I have no explanation for what we're seeing with that except for a couple big explosive runs i don't know we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna go favorite buys right now at costs and then players that we're just completely out on in 2023 i think that's a great way to to end the end the banger of a random thursday full tilt i don't think we've ever done a thursday afternoon full tilt pod i think this is literally a first so we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're going to end it off with that. Sit tight. Okay. The people need some league winning running backs, Jacob. And it is up to us right now. We have Trevor doing a new dynasty startup right now. Asking his questions on what to do with his one Oh three. Like it's Ooh. people are in the weeds right now on the front lines giving it their all. Let's give players like some league winning running backs. Okay. This might sound disgusting, but my favorite running back in drafts and to buy right now is James fucking Connor. It's James Connor. It's, it's crazy. He survived another draft. He's survived the draft. And if you look at the free agent landscape, the worst thing that can happen to him right now is they just bring in another James Conner. Like, do I think Arizona's going right. to sign Zeke Elliott? No, I don't. No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Are they going to sign Joe Mixon if he gets cut? I mean, maybe, no. but probably not. Doesn't make sense. Why? They're, they're not trying to win games. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, Leonard why, Fournette, and why would those guys want to go there, right? Like, if you think yeah. of these running backs at the end of their career, like, they, they probably don't want to go to a team that's going to go 3-14. and 14. Exactly. Leonard Fournette? I don't fucking think so. Like, there's nothing. There's no one to threaten James Conner except for James Conner. With the information that we know right now, being drafted as the running back 35 uh, in the 11th round, according to the Bulletproof ADP. He is my favorite, and I know he's old, and it might seem really disgusting, but James Conner scored an unbelievable... Oh, one more down. 15.4 15.4 points per game last year. This man was a top 12 running back in points per game again. And guess what? Kyler Murray, I get it. He's hurt. This offense is probably going to suck. But guess what Colt McCoy likes That's to do? Fine. 
find his oh, running God. backs out of the backfield. Yeah. Gonna play? That's who's playing quarterback. I'm so confused. Like, are they going to sign someone or like, are we doing Colt McCoy? Is Clayton tune the week one starter? I don't know. I, I think it's gotta be Colt McCoy. I think it has to be like, I've just been waiting for like them to sign like a Teddy Bridgewater or a Carson Wentz or something, but right. it hasn't happened yet. So I, I'm so confused. Them not doing will it. Be Colt McCoy. Them not doing it makes me th- really think. I have it's believed. McCoy is going to throw nine passes to Connor in like total garbage time. It's going to be delightful. Yeah. Like getting him at that kind of cost. Like to me, James Connor at RB35 screams late second, early third, maybe even a mid third. And yeah. on any team where you need a running back, that's an easy pick for me. That's a not yeah, even I- thinking twice easy pick for me. I agree. I have, so remember I talked about all the classifications, right? So what you get on my tiers, you get these four color-coded boxes. And I had four backs that had the exact same combination of color coding, where I had them as a starter in terms of their production classification, which says 13 to 16 projectable points per game. And then no contingent value because they're already projected to be a starter. Asset class being not applicable because or sorry, asset class being upside in the sense that they're old and, but have that workhorse capability. And then age modifier is point purchase, right? So on the way out. And those guys were Mixon, Cook, Connor, Kamara. Of those four running backs, Connor is the cheapest by ADP. I'm not convinced he's the worst. I think that they're all pretty bad at this point. Like, you know, these guys really has a whole lot of juice left in the tank. I don't think Connor is in any way considerably worse than any of the other three even though he's less accomplished and of the four he's the only one that has not faced any rumors of being cut he's the only one whose team didn't draft a running back and he's the only one who's not under a criminal investigation in the last two years so i feel like i'd rather just bet on james connor um because he's like in it he's the cheapest of the tier with guys whose teams drafted running backs who might cut them and who have been indicted. (laughs) So I just, I I think that's, that's where I'm at on Connor. Like, I don't really know why he's the cheapest of this group. I guess it's the offense. If you look historically, there's not that high of a correlation between offensive environment and running back scoring points. Like probably because teams with the best offenses are usually the teams that throw the ball more to win games and don't prioritize the running back position. But you can, yeah, you can be a really good running back on a very mediocre team as long as you're a pass-catching running back. And James Conner, despite nobody getting confused between James Conner and Christian McCaffrey, he can absorb targets. Like, he can play all of the long down and distance snaps. They can dump the ball off to him. He can be effective. So I, I agree. He's my favorite guy if I'm just trying to get some extra points in my lineup at a very limited cost and compete this year and be okay watching whatever I pay for him vanish into dust, James Conner. I agree with everything you just said, but I also want to point out how East Coast you just went because you said instead of cost, you went cast. I feel like that's really – you did. I don't know who you're hanging out with, but you went East Coast Mafia on that one. Hilarious. Check check this out with James Conner. 15.4 points per game, 17.2, 12.7. That's not losing you leagues. That's potentially winning you a lot of leagues at 12.7 points per game, depending on cost. Uh, 14.6 points per game, 21.2 points per game. James Conner has never lost you a league. 
if anything, he's been one of the running backs who has consistently helped you win leagues every year. He's kind of the Tyler Lockett of running backs where we shit on him continuously and all he does is produce for you. He has a contract that he's not going to get cut with. He doesn't have competition and he is so cheap. Also, Hus- also Huskers uh, offer sent for Connor. Uh, stay away from my Josh Jacobs. I don't know if you missed that whole part of the show where I said I'm in on Jacobs. Lego my ego, please, sir. And then one more running back I absolutely love at their cost. And it it feels a little disgusting, but I, I am going to buy in on Miles Sanders. I'm going to buy in on Miles Sanders for the same reason I'm going to buy in on J.K. Dobbins for cheap, Damian Pierce for cheap. Uh, all those guys that have ambiguous pass catching is the same reason I'm going to buy Sanders where he's at in the eighth round at RB22. I feel like that's a good cost for him. In the offense he was in, he was a uh, not-so-good RB2. Is the situation better? Probably not. But his opportunity can go up because he's their lead back. There is some ambiguity in the offense. We don't know what his role is going to be 100%. So we have ambiguity, some role ambiguity, but we have some security in that he will be a mainstay in their offense. And he also checks the cost box right beside him in this cost box. Cam Akers, Isaiah Pacheco, and as previously mentioned, the indicted Joe Mixon. So, or potentially indicted Joe Mixon. He's right in that our mid RB sandwich. And we know Miles Sanders is at least somewhat hashtag good at football and an explosive player. So at his cost, I'll buy Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, that's the first style I'll disagree with you on. I am I'm big S E L on Miles Sanders. What I think he's selling a at his cost. Well, like, so his cost RB twenty two. So I have him ranked RB thirty and I have him outside I have him ooh. kicking off the RB thirty to thirty six tier. So my thoughts on Miles Sanders, like I, I consider him a placeholder running back, which is what I mean by that is by week nine, by week 10, by week 11, there's going to be all sorts of running backs who currently have a value of near nothing and may even still have a value of near nothing that you can start at RB2. Backups on teams where the starter ahead of them got hurt and you can spot th- start them for a couple of weeks. Uh, guys that emerge as if from nowhere, you can put off your bench and start for the rest of the year. And so I only want to be trading for running backs at this point, really, if I either think they're like young and talented and going to accrue value at some point, or if I know that they're going to be scoring considerably above what these guys off my bench are eventually going to be scoring in a spot start late in the year. And with Miles Sanders, like to me, he's like a classic projectable volume, dead zone type guy where He's had, yeah, he was a really effective pass catcher as a rookie, but he didn't have that in his profile coming out of Penn State. And then he's been sub 0.9 yards per route run all three of his last three years, including 0.28 dead last last year. I just don't think he actually has the talent level to be that three down guy. I think he'll probably be their lead rusher. I think he'll be fine enough, but it's not a particularly compelling offense. And I just don't believe that he's going to be able to sustain the pass catching role over the period of the season which to me means he's going to be that 12 to 13 points per game type guy, which I think I can get just playing backup running back roulette 
for the back half of the season. So I'm not interested in Miles Sanders. I would rather either take a shot on some of the younger guys like a Pacheco and a chain, Kendra Miller, Zach Charbonnet, and maybe you get a value accrual that I don't think you're going to get out of Sanders, or I'll just take some of the older guys who at least have shown a higher production ceiling. So I'll take Joe Mixon. I'll take Dalvin cook. I'll take James Connor. I'll owe all over miles Sanders. Interesting. I feel like miles Sanders is going to be the one me versus you this year. I I'm, I will say that I'm in at cost with uh, ambiguity with his role. If they, if, Look, you're obviously I'm buying Miles Sanders, understanding that I am praying like people are praying in the third round for ETN's pass work. I understand that I'm playing that same game, but in the eighth round where I'm more comfortable letting loose. I will say that looking at who is going beside in Christian Kirk and Amari Cooper, I would rather have Amari Cooper 100% of the time. But if I'm looking at the other running backs around him, I would prefer Miles Sanders over, as I mentioned, Cam Akers, Isaiah Pacheco, Joe Mixon, Kamara, Kendra Miller, and James Cook are the running backs going right around him. Just for the running back situation, I would prefer Sanders, but I can I can see why you would be hard out 100%. I'm currently pulling up um, the league that we're in together where I drafted Sanders oh, prior to free agency just to see what running backs you have. <laughs> um, potentially are we trying to do a live live trade on I'm air around i'm looking oh, around. Oh, that boy. sucks you have like no you have like three elite running backs and you have total nothings so <laughs> we might have to tell a great you you have McCaffrey, Najee, ramondre and then you have preston ebner tyler Beatty, and chase browns there's really no uh, miles <laughs> sanders comparable in that group you don't and I will not give up my Chase Brown. So, <laughs> no. We'll, we will figure it out, and we will post it f- for the people. I want to ask this question before we get players that we're completely out on. Hey, guys, I'm late to the program. So you may have covered this in some fashion already. If we have covered it, Alex, we will give a brief summary. I've been going back to watch from the beginning. Shout out to you. My question is process-related. How do you feel about, continued, building a team heavily through running backs? Don't do it. In a half PPR, non-tight end premium format. Obviously, other than getting elite quarterbacks in a super flex, does it seem like a losing war play to fill your lineup with stud RBs through the flex? In what feels like such a wide receiver heavy meta, it feels like you can put together a pretty dominant lineup, especially in shallower leagues like start nine, by just accepting your two, three wide receiver slots are mid wide receiver twos. That is a great question. I will never suggest that you build solely off of running backs however if your like second round pick is christian mccaffrey then you better be going all in but i wouldn't be reaching adp for running backs to build on any format is how i could simply put it jacob do you have a take on this i think you explained it well look at that you don't want to reach on adp but you're right if everyone is giving you that wide open opportunity because they are wide receiver crazy then yes, a lot of the names we mentioned, you can build such a strong roster on Stevenson, Pollard, Nick Chubb, as we just mentioned, and Damian Pierce, Derrick Henry in the fifth and sixth round. You don't, you can anchor with a Christian McCaffrey, but you don't really even have to in today's market. It's also just, you mentioned it's half PPR. And, and I think that, yeah, the, the whole idea that you want to be starting wide receivers in the flex is a full PPR idea. Like I think to some mm. extent in dynasty, 
you'd always have a slight preference to be building around wide receivers in the flex, just because if you're loading up on like five core starting running backs every year to fill all your flex spots, you're probably going to see a lot of value atrophy year to year as some of those running backs age out or get hurt. But just from a pure points perspective, um, Sam Sherman did a lot of work on this in terms of the flex position for half PPR scoring settings. And it's, it's almost neutral. There, there's not a, a material difference between whether you'd want to have a wide receiver or running back in your flex position in half PPR. So I agree. But honestly, half PPR wide receivers are so, so tough to generate legitimate production from that if anything, I would just strongly, this may seem counterintuitive, but I would almost strongly prioritize wide receivers really early in the draft, lock in one or two elite ones, and then just not like you're getting almost like drafting like a the jerry judy brandon Ayuk, michael Pittman, like whatever name 15 more wide receivers in that group and a half ppr is just like really you're not getting any value out of those guys almost at all so i i would just be mostly hammering running backs through that stretch of the draft or quarterbacks tight ends whatever else exactly look we will always tell you to prioritize elite quarterbacks and positions of scarcity like tight end but again, you have the opportunity, you're right. You can lock in a hero RB type, a real anchor RB type, I should say, and just pepper those flex spots with if you were to manage if you manage to pepper your flex spots with like Mondre, Pollard, Connor, Pierce, Henry at those discounted prices, yeah, you're you're absolutely living life, loving it. Uh Jacob, I know you gotta get out of here. I want Let's talk about some running backs that we're absolutely 1,000% out on, and we cannot use Ken Walker. We absolutely cannot use Travis Etienne. If these running backs are on your roster, we're going to say you're losing is, is how I'm going to phrase it. You're just you're putting yourself out of the running. You're starting behind the eight ball, if you will. There's one that stands out to me. It's Dalvin Cook at RB25, 810. Don't want him. I, ju- I just don't want him on my dynasty roster. He looks gassed. He looks toast. And re-signing Madison is a sign to me that it might be his time to start in a very Ezekiel Elliott-type way, really start relinquishing some of his work. And he already started to see his elite ceiling really decline. And I think he falls off of a cliff this year. I don't want him anywhere near any dynasty roster I have. Out of the near 70-some, I think I might have three or four that I have accidentally stumbled into that I'm still trying to get rid of. I want no part of Dalvin Cook this year, no matter what team he is on. We thank you for your service. We appreciate everything you've done, the championships that you have helped us win. But I will say a farewell. Jacob, a running back you are completely out on. Which were the guys that you excluded? Sorry, I heard a couple of them. You Walker and ETN. Talk about. Walker, Walker and ETN, because okay. we hammered that to death. Yeah, Javante Williams is the guy I would just never be rostering. Uh, I mentioned right. everything about J.K. Dobbins at the top of the show. And everything that we didn't like about J.K. Dobbins, everything that we didn't like just seeing about J.K. Dobbins, that's probably in Javante Williams' future. Right, like we're we're getting the first year off of the multi-ligament tear. I think Javante had certainly a good start where he avoided getting nuked in the NFL draft, but I think that any expectation that you're getting out of Javante Williams this year should be really minimal. I think it's unlikely 
that he is healthy for week one. And then I think probably when, whenever he does play on the football field, it's probably going to have to be in a limited role. He's probably not going to be very effective regardless of what you think about his talent. It's just a matter of that injury that he's going to be deeply below hundred percent for the entire year. And he's going to be at a significant re-injury risk the entire year if, and when he does get back on the football field. So to me, holding him at any sort of significant value, you're just eating a lot of risk, especially when you look at JK Dobbins this year and he's cheaper than he was last year. And he just survived the draft. We saw him eventually come back healthy at the start of the year I don't think that people do a very good job of pricing in how the market is going to react to these things. In theory, Dobbins, however expensive Dobbins was last year, Dobbins should have been more expensive this year because we just got through the year that we always knew was going to be terrible. With Javante, it's highly likely that he's going to provide nothing for you this year. And when he should be priced up, it's probably if he survives next year's free agency in the draft. I don't think history has shown that to be the case. We've seen this several times with running backs who have really poorly injured years. Instead of pricing in that injury risk ahead of the injured year, we react to it after the injured year. I expect that he's going to have an ineffective year. He's going to reduce in cost. Maybe I'll be into him next year, but I'm not holding that at all. Yeah, I mean, exactly, Alexander. It says Javante's value is nuked already, though. It is not even close. I don't think Javante no. is anywhere close to his bottom. Javante's still going... At RB15, I think that is considerably too high. He's still going around five. I don't think Javante Williams should be around a top seven round startup pick. Let's talk about I, some I of the players he's going around. He's Addison, Debo, Judy, Moore, George Kittle. I mean, I'd love George Kittle over him. Kirk Cousins, Jamison Williams, Zay Flowers, Dallas Goddard. I'd love Dallas Goddard. Everybody you mentioned except for Kirk Cousins, which that's like a very startup specific. Right situation are all Very guys other than Javante Williams at this point. I'd rather, I mean, I think you could pretty reasonably trade Javante Williams for uh, Damian Pierce. And I would prefer Damian Pierce. I think you could trade Javante Williams for any number of these old dusty running backs, plus get like a second on top and do that. I moved Javante Williams plus um, a little extra for Tony Pollard earlier in the off season. Pollard's value might've gone up since then, but ADP says they're pretty much back to back. So that would be the guy that I would be trying to, get rid of i just think he's a lot of risk on your roster we did, not much we, upside i don't i just yeah. don't think you're getting any upside of him scoring this year or not much i think that you're 100 right and it makes me really sad because i was the javante guy on full we'll tilt back in on him next year don't worry we'll get back we'll go way back in next year that's what I was going to say. There is always a time when we say that we don't want anyone or we're completely out on it's not saying that we'll never be in on them and that you should never keep an eye on them. I think that if you can get Javante Williams incredibly cheap, I think you should. Like if, if you're one of those rebuilding type rosters, cause we know he's going to start the year on the pup. We know that's a guarantee. It's an IR spot. You can just drop him in there. If you can offload one of your old dudes and, and a, a late pick from another manager out to go and get Javante and stash him mm-hmm. on your IR, do that. I think you should do that. I think that would be great for him. If he comes back and plays at all and shows anything, he's going to get a value jump. Awesome. Start of, your, start of your year, there's no reason to hold Javante at his cost right now. Uh, there's, there's no reason to. Javante Williams doesn't pass the Swift test, though. Lol, still above Swift in your tiers. That's kind of funny, actually. But I mean, Swift is going only oh, a handful. Of... Javante is a player. Yeah. Oh. 
your your hatred. Well, I don't think Swift that's good. Is, I'm I, just, I have no talent concern with Javante Williams. I think Javante Williams I know, is an exemplary I just, running back. He's just injured as hell. I like, I don't think that they're comparable. I just talents. absolutely love how just like every shot you can take on poor I, Swift. I even brought him up this whole show. You've been trying not to. Might might shock you guys. I have him as a cell. Oh, I'm very surprised. Fucking fantastic. There's there's no better way I would have rather kicked off my future holidays than sitting here. I got so close. I got so close. I got through an hour and twenty minutes making a single DeAndre Swift comment because I I do. I don't. Brian baited you, so I was baited. I actually like I I'll, I'll say this for Swift. Like I don't a like. It's, it's zero fun to watch someone just like go around victory lapping and being annoying. Like, it's not like I understand that's not like a fun experience for other people. Um, I'm not going to like say nice things about Swift because I don't believe them. So I, I'm trying to just not talk about Swift unless directly asked, because I think that like it's unpleasant to watch someone say mean things about a player that they like. Victory lapping is a bad luck. And I don't want to lie to you. So I prefer to just, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all, right? That's my take <laughs> on DeAndre Swift. I think he has legitimate upside in the spot. I just think he also has like a massive amount of downside. But I, I think he has legitimate upside in Philly. And I am here. There we go. I think that he's an explosive, talented player that Philly took a great gamble on with a day three pick. He's going to be part of a very exciting, cost effective real life backfield. I'm excited to see him in an environment where he has coaches that might believe in him. I'm happy that he's back in his hometown and I'm excited to see him be part of a really good team and part of a Super Bowl contender and see what he can do. That was the most Canadian and diplomatic walk around for a late show Swift mention that I've ever I've had I've ever had you say on this show. Oh, that's but true. I don't doesn't... think devoid of talent. He's good. That's something. <laughs> At some things, just not the things that score us the most fantasy points. He's really good at the things that score us. Actually, this is why people like him so much in fantasy, is that everything he's best at is the things that score the most fantasy points. Right? Like that is why that is why there's such a disconnect between his fantasy value and his real life value. Is it's the opposite? It's like Damian Pierce is the guy who's great at the things that don't score fantasy points, right? It's like he'll like he'll have the most impressive six-yard run you've ever seen. You knock down a point six. Swift catches a screen pass jukes somebody out of their socks turns the wrong way on i-95 and gets tackled it's like oh hey i got 1.8 you know i'm saying but he's great at the things to score fantasy i love it i i just i know i just have to i have to poke at you about it look jacob i couldn't imagine a better show heading off into a vacation where i will be away from fantasy football for the most part over the weekend but look if you're watching and you've enjoyed the show hit the sub button Hit the notification button. It helps. If you want into the Discord, guess what? The link will be in the description, or you can go to Full Tilt FFB over on Twitter. You can hit the link in there. That'll take you there. If you have Dynasty questions or startup questions or want Dynasty Leagues, look, we have a Best Ball Dynasty League that has a couple of spots open in the Discord. Only thing, you have to be in the Discord to get in. And I don't know about you, but I would like a shot to uh, beat Jacob one more time. If Jacob pops in there, if you want a shot at beating me, guess what? Hop in the Discord. Hop in there. There's going to be... Oh man, a ton of opportunities this season. Jacob, what do you have for people over the weekend? And what can they look forward to? I don't think I have anything over the weekend, actually. I'll be in Calgary. I'll be uh, going on a hike. 
around a couple of beers. I'll be watching the Leafs try to save off elimination. But yeah, I think the next thing you can get from me and think about thinking will be eventually I will write up these dynasty running back tiers in a more thorough fashion so people can see that. And then I'll be doing some best ball content there for the majority of the summer, planning on doing sort of an economy of best ball style column. I haven't actually named it yet. It won't be that, but that's my placeholder name where I'll sort of talk about some of the macro trends going on in drafts, how we can take advantage of those. Um, so excited to dig more into best ball content within the coming weeks and uh, probably for the duration of the summer. That's right. That means more best ball here as well. Uh, tune in for some best ball drafts. Jacob and I are going to get together and, and try to get a couple of those, possibly some guests. Who knows? Uh, going to be a great time. And Paul says political economy of best ball. That's what's up. Uh, and look, as for me, like I said, look, I'm going to get some videos scheduled for you guys. We're going to cut this show up in Kate for, for short form and people that missed it. But I might uh, look, I need a break and uh, it's coming. It's coming this week. I'm going to be less active. Don't worry. There's still going to be content coming out for you. I'm still going to be around for leagues and discord and questions and that. Um, and, and I just wanted to say thank you to everyone uh, and, and continuing for all the support. And again, if you hit that sub button and you leave a comment, it helps grow the channel for more shows like this. Again, thank you, Jacob, for, I mean, making time work. We weren't going to be able to do a show on Friday, so it had to be today. We made it work. Thanks to everyone for watching, listening. Remember the clear eyes and full hearts can never lose in your best days. Well, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. 